Hey, it is good to be back. We were in uh, Colorado last week, and I was reminded, growing up in Colorado, there was a song, and the title of the song was, If God Doesn't Live in Colorado, I Bet That's Where He Spends Most of His Time. And it's actually a verse in the Bible as well. And uh, I don't think it's just because the Broncos are the greatest NFL team of all time. It's also the beauty and majesty of being there. And uh, it was great. It's also absolutely fabulous to be home. We got home, um, drove through the night last Sunday night, got home. And that afternoon, our daughters had a couple of friends over who go to church here. And uh, these two elementary age girls were talking about CJ's message from last week. Um, which that's a huge win if you're preaching and elementary age children remember the words that you said of any sort. And uh, so if you were here last week, CJ, who's been on as our congregational care pastor uh, for a while, um, he preached and he preached what's going to be his last message on staff. They're still part of our community. But CJ told me about 14 months ago, my first day here, might have been my second day, but it felt, felt like the first day CJ said, hey, I just want you to know I'm ready to be done, and so if you can start thinking about a plan to fill my shoes, that would be great. And over this year, we've done that, and one of the things we've done is we've brought Libby Inglehorn, who grew up here, has her Master's of Divinity from North Park uh, Seminary, and she is coming on to try and fill CJ's shoes in her own beautiful way as our congregational care pastor, and CJ is going to help sort of mentor into some of that, um, but it's, I, it's both sad to see CJ go off of, of staff they're still in our community, but it's also a gift to have Libby around. So, um, CJ, thank you so much for uh, preaching last week and all you've done around here on staff. I told somebody, I was, I was thinking about just preaching with his southern drawl, but I don't think I could do that for 20 minutes. Um, southern drawl or British accent make you sound smarter. Uh, this fall, I, I am so excited for this fall. Starting September 7th, we are going to do a series for an entire year. We're going to go through this sort of overarching, big picture look at Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And uh, we're going to use a tool called this Wayfinding Bible. It's a literary tool where you can go and you can dig really deep into Scripture or you can sort of do what's called this flyover route. And that's what we're going to do for a year. We're going to go into Scripture, look at the whole of Scripture for a year, and point to the story of God because the whole of this story is about a God who loves us and specifically through the person of Jesus Christ. So we're going to spend a year doing that. To that, I would encourage you, we always have scripture on the screens and we still will do that, but I would encourage you to get a Bible and uh, buy one of these wayfinding Bibles. You can check them online. You can get it on your Kindle, on your iPad. This one here, um, not now, but after the service, first person that comes up and grabs it, it's your Bible, and it really is, and that is the truth. We did the first service too. I mean, big time. We're giving away a $20 Bible. Um, but it is a great tool. And I, I also think it's a good time to think about the fact um, a lot of us have been busy this summer, right? We've been running all around. We've been following our kids in sports. We've been at the cabin. And we, we also want to say, that's great. It's Minnesota. Our goal is not to make you feel guilty for missing some church. I do want you to think about the fact that you've been living in a relational world. You've been living in your neighborhood with other families. And uh, it's a great time to think about uh, the different types of people that you get to invite to your church as we head into the fall. So that they can see and encounter the living God that loves them. Amen? So, 
All that said, let's jump into this. We are in a series called The Fruit of the Spirit, and uh, we've been in it all summer, except for uh, when we've had some special speakers in when I'm out of the pulpit. But let me give you a little lead-in, if you haven't been here for the whole thing, and then we'll jump into the one word that we're going to talk about today. So the whole idea of this series, in Galatians chapter 5, you have this list that's called The Fruit of the Spirit. And right before it is a list called The Works of the Flesh. And the word works is in plural, and the idea is because of that, because of it being in the plural, if we live, if we lean into living that way, it tends to divide our relational world. You look at the list and the works of the flesh, and we all lean into some of those in different ways, and it tends to divide our relational world. We, we live sort of fractured lives. And the reason that the word fruit is in the singular is if we are living dependent on the presence of God in us. Let me describe that a little bit. The whole thing that Paul is saying is if you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you have put your faith and trust in the fact that there's a living God who came down, who lived a perfect life, who died for your sins, who rose again, if your trust is in that reality, then the presence of God actually comes to live inside of you. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's one of those really cool but almost mystical realities about the Christian faith. And as the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us and as we give control over the presence of God in us, what happens is we begin to bear fruit. Everybody bears fruit. We're all living a certain way. It's either you're bearing fruit that looks like the work of the flesh or you're bearing fruit that is dependent on the presence of God inside of you and it's good. It actually builds your relational world. And that's the whole point of the list of the fruit of the Spirit. It's not so you can feel better about how you're living. It's not so that people can look at you, man, they're patient. No, the point of this list is so your relational world, so the people that you come in contact with, you actually build healthy relationships based on the presence of God inside you. And what we've said a few times is, if you think about how to measure spiritual growth, like what does it look like to become mature, a word that's used in the Bible? And sometimes we'll say, well, maybe it's about knowing a lot of scripture. Maybe it's about holding this position in church. Maybe it's about having this certain amount of influence. And I would argue with you that one of the best ways To measure your spiritual growth, are you really growing in your relationship with God, is to say, what kind of fruit am I bearing? What kind of character is coming out of the presence of God that is inside of me? And Paul does this crazy thing. He he talks about all of that, and then he says the whole point of it is freedom. We like the idea of freedom because generally you hear the word freedom and we think that's about me being happy. Here's what Paul says freedom is. Turns it completely on its head. Verse 13 of chapter 5 says, For you have been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. It's complete, it doesn't make sense. Like, freedom is found in serving. It doesn't make sense in the way we live our lives and the messages we hear, but we know it's true. When we're living dependent on God and the fruit of the Spirit is coming out of us and we're truly serving other people, there's a sense of freedom that you can find nowhere else. And he finishes off by saying, for the whole of the law can be summed up in this one, one command, love your neighbor as yourself, but if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. So here's what I'm going to do this morning. And uh, I messed it up a little bit at the first service because I'm not a classroom teacher, but I'm going to say the word we're going to talk about, and I want you to raise your hand first, okay? We have a lot of kids in here, and you guys are welcome to join in. I'm going to say the word, and I want you to say the first thing that comes to your mind after you raise your hand and I point at you. Teachers, is that how I do it? I think that's how it's supposed to be done, okay? So the word is faithfulness. What comes to mind? 
Back here. Staying true. Steadfast. What else? Faithfulness. Honesty. Your walk. Committed. Loyalty. Obedience. What else? The beauty of that, and it was the same thing in the first service, is you know what faithfulness is, don't you? We all do. When I thought about the word faithfulness, images actually popped to my mind. I remember living in Bloomington, Normal, Illinois, in fifth grade, and uh, our fifth grade Sunday school teacher um, was a guy, successful businessman, for over 20 years, he had been teaching fifth grade boys. Let me say that again. For over 20 years, he had been teaching fifth grade boys. That's faithfulness, right? There's something about that, that staying true. I was talking with a lady this week who goes to our church, and for 12 years, every Sunday or every Monday, she calls any first-time guest who's been to Crossview that fills out the, the little information card. For 12 years. That's faithfulness, right? It begins to get at something that is very true. And so here's what Galatians 5, 23 says. But the Holy Spirit produces. And we want to say this again and again and again. You can't produce this type of life. If I try to be loving and kind and patient and peaceful, it actually becomes about my kingdom. And that in itself will hurt my relationships. What Paul is saying, this is the life, this is the way of relating, this is the type of character that only God can produce in you. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. This word faithfulness in the Bible, it's actually translated both faith and faithfulness. But when we see it in a list, this is called a virtue list, when we see it in a list like this, it's about faithfulness. It's about somehow how we're relating to one another. It's the character of somebody that can be relied upon. The great, great theologian Dr. Seuss said this in Horton Hatches the Egg. I meant what I said and I said what I meant. <laughs> there we go. I didn't have that part on the elephant, but well, well done. We know in our core, what faithfulness is all about. This term in Greek literature, it refers to simply someone who's trustworthy, a person who acts in good faith. There's no deeper, profound meaning that we throw to this. This, is, this faithfulness is something that's just good and true about a loyal person. So what we've done with each fruit is we've done three things. One is we've said, what's the definition? Because we want to know the type of character that's coming out of us. So what's the definition? What's the opposite? And that's for a lot of us, the, me particularly, who tend to live in the flesh often. You're like, ah, I know I'm messing it up by seeing the opposite. And then we say, what's the counterfeit? What's the way in which we tend to live dependent on living an opposite way into whatever the fruit is? So here's what I would give you as the definition of faithfulness. Simply this, loyalty and reliability in relationships. Loyalty and reliability in relationships. And it's our relationship with God. It's our relationship to each other. But loyalty and reliability in relationships. Some of the other words that came to my mind, it's courageous loyalty. Courageous loyalty. It's trustworthiness. That's a word I, you know when somebody's trustworthy. 
You know the people that you can trust on. It's being reliable, dependable, honest, even if it's difficult. Here's the opposite. Opportunistic living that swings from committed to absent. You know the person that's not trustworthy. Because you can't depend on them. Sometimes they're there, sometimes they're 100% in, and then they're just, they're just a theological word that might help you out to know when you're not being trustworthy. It's when somebody calls you a flake. That person's flaky. They can't be trusted. I, I can't count on them. And here's the counterfeit. The counterfeit, Tim Keller says this about counterfeits, and here's the definition of a counterfeit. Counterfeit God is anything so central and essential to your life that if you should lose it, life would not feel like worth living. It's a way in which we tend to act that actually becomes a God to us. So the counterfeit of faithfulness is this, it's enablement. It's enablement. You see, sometimes we think of a word like faithfulness, and we think of trustworthiness, loyalty, and it, it feels somewhat passive, and there is nothing passive about faithfulness. Faithfulness is engaged. Faithfulness is there. Faithfulness is speaking the truth when it needs to happen in loving ways. Faithfulness is completely there with that person when they're going through the toughest of times. And so the counterfeit is enablement. Where we're in it, but we're not in it in, the, in any true way. We're simply saying nice things. We're not saying the hard things. We run when things get difficult. You're loving, but you're not truthful. You might be loyal, but you're not bold. One of the beautiful things about the list of the fruit of the Spirit, it always starts with who God is. Love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, they all start. We, we only know faithfulness by knowing God's faithfulness. And so what is God's faithfulness? Psalm 40, the word faithfulness that, that we see often in the Old Testament, but a ton in the Psalms. These worship songs, often many of them are, they, we see it a ton in the Psalms. Psalm 40 verse 10 says this, I have not kept the good news of your justice hidden in my heart. I have talked about your faithfulness and saving power. I have told everyone in the great assembly of your unfailing love and faithfulness. And when we see those two words used together in the Old Testament, it's actually about the covenant love of God. And the covenant love of God is simply this. It's God moving towards us and agreeing to love us and calling us his people. In the Old Testament, we see that in Genesis 12 where God comes to Abraham and he says, I'm going to bless you. Huge language. I'm going to bless you. You will have land. You will have children. You have everything that people see as successful. That's the covenant love of God moving towards Abraham. You are mine. And here's the agreement. Because I bless you, you will be a blessing to the nations. When they saw these words together, what it conjured up is the faithful love of God always moving towards his people, always loving his people, but always calling his people to be something different. It's the whole story of God. From Genesis to Revelation, from creation to when things are going to be made right again. That's the faithful story of God, that God is just and right and loyal and true in that story. I love this in Isaiah 38, 19. Great passage for families, for grandparents. Only the living can praise you as I do today. Each generation tells of your faithfulness to the next. Isn't that good? 
grandparents and parents and aunts and uncles, how do we talk about this loyal, reliable God to the generations that are coming behind us? John 1.14, if you're here and you're sort of, you're wondering about the Christian faith and you're wondering who God is, the best way to know who God is is to look at Jesus Christ. Jesus is God. And here's what it says in John 1.14. So the word, Jesus, became human, God became human, made his home, tabernacled among us, and he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. The same covenant God of the Old Testament. That's who this is. That's who Jesus is. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. We, we sort of get God's faith. Even times where we're wondering about who God is and where God is, we, we get the faithfulness of God, of his story, of his presence in our lives. The challenge is, what does it look like to be faithful people to God and to others? I love, I love the list in Hebrews chapter 11. We have this long list of faithful men and women in the Old Testament who trusted God who were faithful to God. Listen to some of them. Abel, his understanding of God made his sacrifice that he gave to God real and authentic. Noah trusted God's word about coming judgment as well as his promise to save his family. Abraham and Sarah believed against all evidence that they would have a child. Rahab trusted God to protect her family when the Israelites destroyed Jericho. And Gideon's mustard seed faith overthrew an entire army. What does it mean to be that type of faithful people? Our definition, loyal, reliable in all our relationships, courageous. I've mentioned this story a few times, but probably 10, 11, 12 years ago, when we were living in Philadelphia, I, I sort of developed this guy, this friend, Carl, who became my mentor. Um, and... Uh, he had been in ministry a good while in sort of worldly terms, was very successful. His church had, had grown and, and seen a lot of things happen. And we would meet, we would golf, and I would always try to pick Carl's brain and say, how did you do it? Get, give me the recipe for success. I, I, I want to do what you've done. I, I want to have success. And some of the underlying things of that, I, I want power, I want influence, but tell me how you did it. And Carl, again and again and again, this is one of the most influential stories of my life, would come back to this. Brad, our goal was just to be faithful. Doesn't mean they didn't learn from what was going on, the best practice. Doesn't mean they, 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 they weren't intentional about things they did, but he said our goal is faithfulness. Faithfulness to God's word, faithfulness to the gospel, Faithfulness to the person of Jesus Christ. It, it, it wasn't some gimmick. It was simply we wanted to be faithful and reliable and loyal in our relationship to God and how we pastored and shepherded and told people about the good news of Jesus Christ. That's all we did. So what does it mean to be loyal and reliable in all our relationships? Courageous loyalty, trustworthiness. I was talking to a couple of friends this week a couple of pastor friends, and we we're just talking about the whole art and practice of preaching. And, um, we, we, and you've, you've heard me say this before as well, but at the end of the day, we are not that concerned that at the end of the service, you are like, wow, great message. We heard God's word that we all feel good about ourselves. We're more concerned about how God's word through the person of Jesus Christ influences you on Monday morning. 
We're more concerned about how this affects the way Tuesday afternoon that you're relating to your employees. We're more concerned than on Thursday afternoon when you are just waiting for your kids to go back to school what it looks like to be a patient person. And so with that said, and with our call to be faithful, when, when, when we're truly living dependent on the Spirit, what does it mean to be faithful throughout the week? What does that practice look like? And so I want to hopefully do some, a couple uncomfortable things and just say, in a couple different areas of your life, what does it mean? So what does it mean to be faithful in your marriage? What does it mean to be faithful in your marriage? Trustworthy in your marriage. You realize studies show that the divorce rate in the church is the same as the divorce rate in the world. What does it mean to be faithful? And we're not just saying on the physical side of things, but because usually when that goes wrong, it's, it's a result of a lack of faithfulness in other areas, right? What does it mean, husbands and wives, for you to be completely faithful in your marriage. This is for all of us. This is me preaching to me. Faithful, trustworthy in what you look at, in who you talk to, in how your relationship with God affects your marriage. In my 20 years in ministry, I've had very few broken marriages. I would say I've had no broken marriages come through my office, and there have been a lot where both partners have been completely dependent on the presence of Jesus Christ in their lives. What does it mean to be faithful in your marriage? Faithful. What does it mean to be faithful in your friendships? Sticking through it, thick and thin, really in it. One of my favorite series of movies is the Lord of the Rings. Who's seen the, the, the whole thing? For those of you that haven't, you are bad people. You're not good <laughs> I'm kidding, <laughs> sort of. Um, it's a great series of, of books, and, and for those of us that, that watch movies and don't read the books, great series of books. Um, and part of it is, it's as spiritual as it gets. It tells the story of God and the battle between good and evil. But there's this great scene, and I'm gonna read, read it to you. You can trust us to stick to you through thick and thin, to the bitter end. And you can trust us to keep any secret of yours closer than you yourself keep it. But you cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone and go off without a word. We are friends, Frodo. Anyway, there it is. We know most of what Gandalf has told you. We know a good deal about the ring. And here it is. We are horribly afraid but we are coming with you or following you like hounds. Isn't that good? What does it mean to be a faithful friend? And that's, that's huge and complex, and I, I get it. But what does it mean to be a faithful friend, to speak truth at times when a friend needs to hear truth? A couple years ago, I had a young person in my office, and they said, I have a friend who's about ready to step into a fair. What do I do? Do I say something? I'm like, yes! If you're a good friend, you do, right? Sometimes it's speaking the truth in love. I had a funeral yesterday and looked at the pain in the family's eyes. Their friends just need to be there, need to be present, need to be engaged. 
What does it mean to be a trustworthy friend? What about at work? What about at work? What does it mean to be trustworthy and faithful as a follower of Jesus Christ at work? Are you one that's considered trustworthy? You're reliable. You show up on time. What does it mean to be reliable there? Students, I know this is a bit of a faux pas, but what about at school? I know school's in three weeks, but what does it mean to be reliable at school? Reliable with doing your homework. Reliable with not trustworthy with not uh, cheating when you could and get away with it. Like, What does it mean to be faithful in that circle? What does it mean to be trustworthy with what God has given you? Your money, your time, your talents. And you see, here's the beauty of it. And this really is a gift. You don't have to go out and try and work on being trustworthy. Because none of us in our own power are going to become trustworthy people. What you and I get to do is embrace the grace and love of Jesus Christ and believe that as we depend on that, as we trust that, as we lean into the faithfulness of God, that we become faithful people. Lamentations 3, 22 to 24 says this. The faithful love of God, of the Lord, never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Gracious Father, Lord, I, I think as your people, on all different points of the journey, we, we know and we embrace that, God. We, we have people in this room who are wondering about who you are and even doubting. And God, we pray that your grace and presence would be there. People in pain, people celebrating the whole deal. So God, I pray for all of us that whatever the situation, the story, the life stage, whatever pain is going on, whatever joy, whatever trial, whatever temptation, that we would take one more step of completely relying on you. And then in turn, your grace through your spirit would cause us to be faithful people in every area of life. To your glory, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.